Well, hey, good morning. It's good to see you on this Sunday morning. My name is Andrew, one of the pastors here. We are in week number two of this series. We just kicked it off last week, and it's going to be a brief series, but I think it'll be a really helpful series, and it's one I've been really excited to jump into. It's called Discover Your Shape. And the idea behind this is that you and I were made to make a difference, that God has wired us specifically with his his divine design for our lives, and he's shaped us in such a way that we could serve him by serving others, that we would glorify him by the way that we serve others according to the way that he has made us. And so let me just do a quick recap of last week to bring you back up to speed. Last week we had three big ideas. One was that we are God's masterpiece, that we are his poema, his, his work of art, that he has created us for his glory. We are his masterpiece. And we said that we are saved to serve. He has saved us so that we could not live for our own pleasure, but so that we would serve others. And then thirdly, we are shaped according to plan. We're shaped according to plan, his plan, that he had a blueprint in mind before the foundation of the world that he knew he was going to shape us in a certain way to accomplish certain things in our lives. And so we looked at this acrostic shape, and I'll walk back through it again. Shape stands for S, spiritual gifts. H is heart. A is abilities. P is personality. And E is experiences. And so today we're going to focus on that very first one. We're going to spend all morning on this one, which is spiritual gifts. How many of y'all love gifts? Okay, a few of you do. Okay, I love, I love to get gifts, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of picky, all right? It's, it's hard to buy gifts for me. Um, I don't think my wife enjoys that because, uh, you know, I'm pretty picky. So it's like, for me, it's, I, wanna, I want a gift to be useful. I want it to be um, practical. I want it to be fun. And so here's what I typically do. I put out an Amazon wish list. Here is exactly what I want, all right? Because if you try to pick out an article of clothing for me or something you think I like, and it's like the worst kind of gifts to me are gifts that like go somewhere on a shelf, right? Or go to Goodwill. Not that I would ever do that if you gave me a gift, right? But they're gifts that can be put to use. And so, you know, Father's Day's coming up, my birthday's coming up in July. Cash and gift cards always, you know, speak my language, all right? I love those kind of gifts, but here's the incredible thing about God is that God is a gift giver. He is a gift giver. And you see this throughout the scriptures that first he gives us the gift of eternal life. It's a free gift that he offers to us at no cost to us, but at great price to himself, the death of his son on the cross. And so he gives us this gift that we can receive. And along with that is, you know, actually, you know what, what hit me this morning? I did not realize this and I did not plan this. That today is actually something that there's a thing that we celebrate in the church. Uh, it's, it's called Pentecost Sunday. And I don't think about this because I've never really been in a church where we highlight that or spotlight that. But it's a day where you kind of remember and celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit that came at Pentecost in Acts chapter two, when God gave his promised Holy Spirit to the church. And from that moment on, every believer in Christ would have the gift of the Holy Spirit indwelling them from the moment they put their faith in Jesus. And so an incredible thing, I woke up this morning and I saw the verse of the day and it was Acts chapter two and I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I was like, oh wait, it's Pentecost Sunday. What better day to talk about the, the, the spiritual gifts 
that God gives to us. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What kind of gifts does he, he give to us? And why does he give them? And what are they used for? And maybe you have this question when you get gifts. Can I exchange it or refund it? <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever thought about that? Like, but these gifts that God gives to us, what are they and how do we use them? And so today's sermon I'm calling Gifted for the Common Good. Gifted for the Common Good. And what we're going to do this morning over the next few minutes is I'm going to give you a crash course on spiritual gifts. You should have uh, received a, there's a handout on your chair. We're, we'll get to that later, okay? Um, we're not going to dig into every single one of the gifts because there's a lot of them, but I want to kind of give you a crash course. It's almost going to be kind of like a Q&A about spiritual gifts because we talk about spiritual gifts, or I at least mention them, but I don't think we all understand what they are and how we can all benefit from them. So let me give you kind of the big idea, bottom line for this morning that's going to frame everything that we talk about. And it's this, God gives us gifts to use for the good of others. God gives us gifts to use for the good of others. You know, again, the best gifts are the ones that we can use. And so God gives us gifts not to sit on the shelf, but to use. But like the gifts that I get, I want to use for my pleasure and enjoyment, right? The gifts that God gives us to use are for the good of others. And so what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to look at a few passages of Scripture, and we're going to do a little q and I want to answer some questions about spiritual gifts. So there's four primary passages of Scripture that I just want to read through, and then we'll walk through the rest of this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the first passage, and I want you to look there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Actually, this whole entire chapter is, is really all about spiritual gifts. And we're just going to read a, a few verses here and there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But actually, what you see in the scriptures as, as Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to this church at Corinth, it's, a, it's a, a messed up church. It's a divided church. And so Paul is trying to give them instruction. And actually, as you come to chapters 12, 12 13, and 14, Really, it's, it's all about spiritual gifts. But what you see in these chapters is chapter 12 is all about spiritual gifts. Chapter 14 is all about spiritual gifts. But there's a, a special chapter right in between those. What's between 12 and 14? 13. All right, you're awake. Chapter 13. Anybody know what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is all about? It's love. It's, all, it's the love chapter that you hear it. Almost every wedding, right? But the context is, here's the gifts that God has given. And right in, smack in the middle of this three-chapter conversation is this idea of love. Love. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I just want to start out in verse number 1. Paul says this, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some translations say, I don't want you to be ignorant. Okay, I don't want you to be unaware of, of what we're talking about here. So this is the context. I want to drop down to verse number four. He says this, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Okay, so there's different gifts and service and activities, but the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God who empowers all of them. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Now, 
kind of mentally mark that verse. We're going to come back to that. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Verse number eight. For to one is given through the Spirit. And here's where there's these spiritual gifts begin to, to be listed, all right? And in each of these passages, we'll see there's some overlap or repetition, but these gifts begin to be mentioned here. <clears throat> For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To, an, <clears throat> to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit. This is why these are spiritual gifts. They come from the spirit uh, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Now, and as you move through the rest of this chapter, he talks about the, the body of Christ. He relates it to a physical body with many members that the ear is important and the eye is important and every part of the body, the hand, everything is important. But, but I want to drop down to uh, verse number, let's go to verse number 27. He comes down here and he says, now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. All right, so just like your physical body has is, is one body but made up of all kinds of parts. He says, you are the church, the body of Christ, and yet there's members, individual people that make up this body of people. Verse number 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping administrating, and various kinds of tongues. So here's more gifts and some overlap here. Verse number 20, 29, he begins a series of rhetorical questions, all right? He says this, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? And what do you think the answer is to all those questions? No. Right? No, nobody has all those gifts. Nobody is, does all of those things. Verse 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And so he lists all these gifts. And again, in this church, there's division because some are saying, well, I have this ability and I can do this. And they're divided over who's better or more important. And he says, let me show you a more excellent way. Here's what you are to pursue. And then he moves into verse, chapter 13, which is all about love, that we're to seek love, that if we have all of these gifts and abilities, but we don't have love, man, we're like a clanging cymbal. We're loud, and we, but we, we produce nothing good. And so he moves into this chapter and then moves out back into gifts in chapter 14. But I want you to see kind of this, this, this passage, which is really important in this discussion. Let's go to another passage, Romans chapter 12. So if you're Flipping in your Bible, go back a couple books to your left, Romans chapter 12. So you got 1 Corinthians 12, you've got Romans 12. And again, I just want to read through some of these passages so you get the big picture of uh, the discussion on gifts. Romans 12, verses 3 to 8, starting in verse number 3. And in my Bible, it's got a heading. It says, gifts of grace. All right, so verse number 3, it says this. Paul says, For the, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, 
each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So same kind of context, right? Many members, many different people in the body, but we make up one collective body. Verse number six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. And then he begins to list out some of these gifts. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes or gives in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And we don't have it on the screen, but even if you, if you peek into the next verse, verse number nine says, let love be genuine. So in this discussion on gifts and abilities, there's always kind of this, this subtext of love. It's all to be in love. All right, so that's another passage that lists some of these gifts. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll look at a couple verses here. In Ephesians, and, and some people wouldn't necessarily list these as gifts. These are, are roles and offices in the church, and yet uh, I believe in the context that God says these are, these are his gifts to the church. Ephesians 4, verse number 7 It says this, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And if you just drop down a few verses to verse number 11, here's the gifts that he gives the church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. And he goes on to say why he gave them. He gave them to equip the church for the work of ministry. All right, so there's, there's a few more gifts. One more passage I want to look at, and then we'll make sense of, of all of this. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. We actually looked at this last week as well. But let me just bring you back here one more time. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. I hear pages turning. Hallelujah. I love it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. It says, as each has received a what? A gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, verse 11, as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What you see in this verse isn't specifically gifts, spiritual gifts listed, but you see two broad categories. If you look in verse 11, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. So as you start to compare all the gifts that we see kind of laid out and compare and contrast, and there's some overlap, what you'll see is they all kind of fall into two categories, either speaking gifts or serving gifts, all right? And so those are the uh, four main primary passages that we see regarding spiritual gifts. Okay, so let's let's make some sense out of all this. And I want to I want to one more time put one verse up there on the screen. I mentioned it earlier. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. This is going to kind of be our jumping off verse here. It says to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. 
to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So let's ask some and answer some questions. So first of all, who receives spiritual gifts? Who receives spiritual gifts? The answer is this. It's every Christ follower. It's every single Christ follower at salvation receives one or more gifts. All right, so if there's ever been a point in your life where you've put your trust in Jesus, where you've, where you've confessed faith in him, where you've turned your life over to him, God gave you the free gift of eternal life. And along with that, he gave you at least one, if not more, spiritual gifts. All right, so he made you a new creation. It was like you were born again spiritually. And at your birth, and we'll talk about next week, at your birth, you, you have natural talents and abilities, but this is different. It's a spiritual birth, and you're giving, given a spiritual gift, a spiritual ability. All right, so every single Christ follower, the moment that you come to faith in Jesus, you receive a gift. So if you would say that you're saved, you put your faith in Christ, congratulations, you're gifted. You're gifted. God gave you one or more gifts. All right, look, at, look back at this verse, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It says, to each is given. To each is given. To each, each member of the body of Christ. So everyone has put faith in Christ. To each one is given. All right, 1 Peter 4.10 that we just looked at. If you look at the first part of that verse, it says, as each has received a gift. All right, so every single believer is gifted. So know that. If you're a follower of Jesus, God has, has uniquely designed you and wired you and given you a, a gift, one or more spiritual gifts that you are to use for the good of others. All right, so who receives spiritual gifts? Every single believer in Christ. So here's the question. What are spiritual gifts? What are they? What exactly are they? Let me, let me give you a definition here. Spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. Okay, it's not a natural one. It's a supernatural. It's been given by God. Uh, God gives you to share his love by serving others and strengthening the body of Christ. So this is a supernatural ability. All right, what this is not, this isn't natural talent, natural ability. This isn't um, your personality traits. This isn't um, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 talks about the, 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 the Holy Spirit when you're walking in the Spirit, that he produces love, joy, peace, patience, all of these things. This is different than that. This is a supernatural ability that God gives you when you come to faith in him. Now, some of you, and this is the point of the series, you may say, I, don't, I have no idea what this, this is. Okay, I have the gift of, you know, shopping or, you know, whatever, of scrolling social media, and that's not what we're talking about, all right? Maybe you don't know what your spiritual gift is. That is the point of this series, to help you discover your gifts. All right, so what are spiritual gifts? Supernatural ability given by God to share his love by serving others and strengthening the body of Christ. And I want to look again at at this verse, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, to each is given, and I just want to consider this next phrase, the manifestation of the Spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So what is the manifestation of the Spirit? Right, the word manifest, to make something manifest means to, um, 
to uh, make something clear or, or, or visible. Um, it becomes clear to the eye or to the understanding, all right? When something becomes manifest, it's, it's evident, it's, it's obvious. And so what he says here is to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, the way that God makes himself clear to others, the way that God reveals himself to others is through you and you serving others with the gifts that he has given you. The way that he manifests the spirit, the way that he makes clear, visible, evident, obvious who he is and that he exists is people experience you lovingly serving them and putting Jesus on display, putting flesh on God. So when Jesus came to earth, it was God manifest in the flesh. All of a sudden we could see what God looked like and how he, how he behaved and how he loved people because we saw him in the flesh. So what a spiritual gift is intended to do is to manifest God's presence, the reality of God and his love and his goodness and his power through you by you using your gifts to serve others. So when you and I, when we figure out our gifts and we use it to, in love, serve other people, man, this is how God reveals himself to people. It's through you and through your giftedness, serving them in love. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Man, isn't this incredible that God would choose you in your giftedness? to reveal himself to others. This is, man, maybe you're understanding this for the first time. You've got to understand this, that God has given you gifts so that you could serve others, so that he could reveal himself to people through your single life and through our collective life together as the church. And so what are spiritual gifts? Man, it's a manifestation of the spirit, the supernatural ability that God gives us to share his love with others, through serving and strengthening the body of Christ. So why are we given spiritual gifts? And I think we've kind of already answered that, but, but I, wanna, I just want to ask and answer that question. Why are we given spiritual gifts? I want to make sure this is clear. It's to serve others and strengthen the body of Christ. And we already kind of mentioned that. It's to serve others and to strengthen the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the what? Common good. For the common good. For the good of everyone. This is why the gifts have been given. Not to benefit you, although you will find joy and fulfillment in exercising them. But no, no, no. It's given for the common good. For the good of everyone. It's, it's like when I get a big gift card to Sam Kendall's, and it's like, this isn't just for you, it's for the whole family. I'm like, what? I just want to go and fill up on steak. This isn't for, I have to share it. Yes, that's what the gift, that's what the spiritual gifts are for. It's not for you to consume on your own. It's for you to share, to serve others, to, to strengthen the body of, of Christ. And, and so let me go to a couple other verses that we didn't see earlier. First Corinthians, same chapter, chapter 12 Verse number 24, uh, down further in the, the chapter, verses 24 and 25, 
Paul is talking about you know different parts of the bodies, one you know different parts that aren't as flashy as others or aren't as presentable as others. He says, verse 24, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And so what he says is there's parts of your body that aren't as, don't seem as important, but man, they're, they're all important. The parts that seem less important, man, it's all important to care for the entire body. And what Paul is saying is that every gift and every person has been placed in the church. And you may look at your gifts and your, your design and your wiring and go, man, I'm not as important to the church as this person or this person on the stage or whatever. And he says, every single part has been given so that we could have the same care for one another. So that as you utilize your gifting and I utilize my gifting, man, we care for one another and we build up this body of Christ. If you go to 1 Corinthians 14, all right, this other chapter, I want you to see verse number 12. Paul says this, so with, with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, okay, the, the, the Corinth church, the people were like, man, I want to I wanna use these gifts, and I'm eager for the, the, the different kind of gifts, and they're kind of fighting over what's more important. And he says, uh, you're eager for these manifestations, but here, here's where I want your focus to be. Strive to excel in what? Building up the church. So don't be like, man, I got this gift, or I want this gift. No, no, in all of this, we're to strive to build up the church with whatever, whatever gift you have. God says, I gave it to you to care for the church and to build up the church. And you may think it's small, but man, the, the body needs you and your gifts to become all that it's meant to be, to be a healthy body. And so why are we given spiritual gifts? It's to, to serve others and strengthen the body of Christ. First, Peter 4, we saw it earlier, 1 Peter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. So the purpose, again, it's to serve others. I want to read you a quote from an English author. His name is Oz Guinness. And yes, he is related to the, the uh, brewer. He's the great-great-great-grandson of Arthur Guinness. Um, but he's an English author. Uh, he, he said this, the purpose of giftedness is stewardship and service, not selfishness. The purpose of giftedness, the reason God gifts us, is to be a steward of his grace and, and, and service, that we would serve others, that, not that we'd be selfish with these gifts. All right, so who receives the gifts? Every believer. What are spiritual gifts? A supernatural ability that God gives us. Why are they given? It's, they're given to serve others, to strengthen the body of Christ. <clears throat> now, let's, let's, let's transition. Let's talk about. Maybe you're like, okay, let's talk about the gifts. What are the gifts? There, there's a list of gifts. And again, you've got a whole list here. There's, and and this, this varies, but generally there's, there's about 20 gifts uh, that are listed in Scripture. Some, again, overlap or repeated in different places. Um, 20 gifts. 16 of them plus what, what I would call or what are commonly called sign gifts or miraculous gifts. Now, I just want to read this list to you. Um, we're not going to walk through this, but I, I want to just read these gifts 
to you. Um, and we'll put them on the screen here for you as well. You've got the gift of administration, apostleship, discernment, exhortation or encouragement, evangelism, faith, giving, healing, helping or serving, the gift of hospitality, interpretation of tongues, the gift of knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, prophecy, shepherding or pastoring, teaching, tongues, and then finally the gift of, of wisdom. All right, so there's 20 gifts there. The ones that are in bold on the screen, there's four of them that we would call sign or miraculous gifts. And, and, and I want to I take a moment to, to explain this to you because, um, and I don't want to dig dive into the weeds here, but I think it's important for you to understand this because different believers and different churches land differently on this, all right? And, and I want to just, I want to help you understand what this is all about. When we talk about the sign gifts, so healing, interpretation of tongues, miracles, um, speaking in tongues, when we talk about sign gifts, typically what we're meaning is these were special, like miraculous gifts that were given to authenticate the, the messenger and the message. All right, so Jesus would perform miracles and it proved that there's something different about this, this man, okay? He was for real and his, his miracles authenticated him and the message that he proclaimed. Same with the apostles and those who performed miracles. Uh, but there's, there's three views on spiritual gifts and I just wanna explain these and move on. I've included some links in the sermon notes if you want to learn more, but I just want to give you a broad understanding of this. There's three views. One is called continuationist. Okay, so someone that is, would fall into the camp of a continuationist would believe that all of the gifts, okay, all 20 of those, continue to be available to the church. They're accessible to believers in the church today. So that means if I'm a continuationist, I would believe that all of those gifts continue to today. So people are given the gift of speaking in tongues or interpreting tongues or healing or performing miracles. All right. So a continuation believes they've continued. They're still all valid for today. A second view is this. It's a cessationist. And that would stem from the word cease. All right, so a cessationist or someone who believes this would, would, would believe that the sign or the miraculous gifts ceased after the apostolic age. Okay, so in other words, after the time of Jesus and the apostles and the early church, when the church was first being formed, a cessationist would say those gifts were, were special and limited to that time in order to validate the message of Jesus and to, and to build the church and that they're no longer in use or, or given by God to individuals today. So, Someone would say, I still believe that God heals and performs miracles, absolutely, but I don't necessarily believe that God gives those gifts to individuals. Does that make sense? That's what a cessationist is. I, I, I believe those gifts ceased after the early church. And then there's a third view that is kind of in between, and it's open but cautious. All right, It's exactly what it sounds like. Uh, someone who is, is in this kind of camp would say, I, I'm not ruling out the activity of gifts because God can do whatever he wants to do, but I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm, I'm cautious about the contemporary charismatic practice of, of those gifts. All right, so I'm open to it, but I'm cautious. That would be a third kind of in-between 
kind of category, okay? So, again, there's, there's links if you want to read a little bit more about that in your sermon notes. Uh, but I want to give you a few thoughts, the, the reason why I'm bringing this up, um, and some things I want to share with you. Personally, if you're asking me where I fall in this, and I think it's important to know where, where a church lands on this, all right? Uh, personally, I fall somewhere between a cessationist, okay, I believe those gifts have ceased, and open but cautious. And I would lean more towards the cessationist, that I believe that God used those for a specific time, but he, he doesn't necessarily give those out now. All right, so I would lean in that direction. All right, so that's where I am. Second thing I want to say is this. I would consider this a secondary, open-handed issue. In other words, I'm not going to cut off fellowship with others. In fact, many good pastors and churches, and even people that I would consider mentors uh, and role models from afar, would be in the camp of a continuationist. All right, so this isn't something you'd say, well, I you're not really a Christian, or I don't really want to hang out with you. This is, this is an open-handed issue. And what I mean by that is a primary, like, closed-handed issue is, okay, Jesus was God in the flesh, the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, the, the bodily resurrection of Christ. Those are things I'm not letting go of, because if I do, I, I've let go of the gospel, right? Those are things I'm not going to open my hand to and let go of. A closed-handed issue like this we can disagree on this, and it's okay. It doesn't mean one is right and one is wrong, because honestly, who's going to know until we get to heaven, right? And so this is an, a secondary, open-handed issue. And, and a third thought I just want to share about this is this. This is not, or, or it, at least it, it shouldn't be, an indication of whether we believe in the Holy Spirit, in His presence, in His power, in His activity, all right? Some would believe, and sometimes, I mean, you, there are Baptist churches, if we're going to stay in this realm, that would be all over, different beliefs on this, all right? Um, some Baptist churches, you would be like, okay, they surely do not believe in the Holy Spirit because they're just like bored to tears, all right? Um, and y'all are being quiet. Don't be like that kind of Baptist church, all right? Um, or it's like, oh, if you raise your hands or if you express emotion, man, you must not really believe. You must, like, so... It shouldn't affect that. We can believe that those specific gifts ceased, but man, that the Holy Spirit is still powerful and active and he indwells us and he works in us and through us. And we can raise our hands in worship and we can, we can shout an amen when the pastor says amen. Amen? All right, you're awake. Yes, I love it. Okay, I've always got to get some of those in here. So that, that shouldn't affect that. Um, how we behave, all right? So I wanted to make sure we covered that. But let me, let me, let me jump ahead. Here's, here's the question of what about me? All right, so what, what about me? What are, what are my gifts and what do I do with them? Okay, so three, three quick things that I, I want to say to you about, about your gifts and about you and how you apply all of this. Number one, discover them discover them. This is what this series is about, is so that you can begin to, if you're not already aware of this or haven't been doing this, man, you can begin to learn about spiritual gifts. And one of the things you do to discover your spiritual gifts, this, this tool that I've given you is kind of a questionnaire that you can just walk through. You can read the description that says, hey, people that have this gift, 
they, they tend to do these kind of things. And so you can read through. You don't have to do this now. This is kind of homework for you. Uh, I didn't say homework. That's a bad word, right? Um, but you can do that on your own. Just kind of walk through and go, uh, yes, I, have, I think I have, might have that gift. Or no, or maybe I do. And so that's a way to just begin to learn about the different gifts. Another great way to discover your gifts is to experiment, or just start serving, start doing things in the church and in your home and in your workplace and at school. Like begin to serve and the things that you um, enjoy, the things that you seem to be good at. Here's a big thing: the things that you get affirmation about um, when people when people notice it in you. Um, you know, it's it's easy to say, "Man, I think I have the gift of teaching," but if you get up and speak and people are like. Please don't ever do that again. <laughs> okay, you have to grow in these gifts as well, but you can see these things and people will say, man, you're, you're pretty good at that. You're pretty good at serving. You have a heart for that. You're really hospitable. Like when people begin to affirm those things in you, that's when you can begin to go, okay. It wasn't just on a piece of paper where I said, oh, I think this is my gift, but people begin to notice it in you and you experience joy in doing it. All right, God's not going to give you a gift that you're like, man, I hate this stupid thing. I wish I had the gift of this. No, he's going to give you something that you enjoy because as you exercise it, man, you feel fulfilled. You feel like you're doing what you were created to do. And so first of all, discover him. So some of these things, this questionnaire, there's also on our website, um, if you go to friendshipwired.com, there's a, there's a tab there, or you can go to friendshipwired.com shape. You'll see that link on our, the front page of our site. All kinds of tools there. We have some things already on our website where there's a spiritual gift survey where it's a, a little more detailed, and you can answer like 80 questions and tally it up, and uh, that's another tool to help you discover. All right, but this whole discovery process, uh, this isn't like you're going to find out in the next few days or weeks. This takes time of just serving and experimenting and seeing, getting feedback from, from people. All right, this is, for some of us, this is a lifelong, like we're continually discovering our giftedness. So discover them. Make that a priority. I want to figure out, God, how have you gifted me? A second thing is this, deploy them. Deploy them. In other words, use them. They're made to be used. You may go through this list and feel like, man, I feel like I have this gift and this gift. Or maybe there's just one that you feel like, this really resonates. I think this may be <clears throat> how God has gifted me. You know, God didn't give you that gift so you could go, wow, I'm gifted. This is awesome. Thank you, God. And then stay home and do nothing with it. No, he made you to deploy that gift, to use it, to serve others and to strengthen the body of Christ. And so deploy them. Just start serving and then a third thing is this, develop them, develop them. And this is just that idea of, of growing and practicing using your gifts and improving upon it and, and getting better in using it. All right, so, so let me give, you know, one, one of the most upfront recognizable gifts is the gift of teaching. And so somebody could have the gift of teaching, but that doesn't mean the first time they use it, they're going to be an incredible, um, you know, Charles Stanley or Charles Spurgeon or another Charles. Or it means, I mean, there's a spark. God has put this gift in you, but it still needs to be developed and exercised and, and honed. 
And so develop them, grow, practice, improving, using your gifts. So there's some, some different tools there that are for you. Uh, if you. If you work through some of those um, and you have questions, you need help, on our website, on that page, there's a, a, a little online form. If you want to fill that out and connect with us, ask questions, or come find us, email me, andrew at friendshipwire.com. Man, our desire, our hope is that through this in the coming days and weeks and months, man, you can begin to discover your shape and we can help you to serve the body of Christ here in the way that you are shaped to serve him. So let me bring you this reminder one more time. God gives us gifts to use for the good of others, for the good of others, and again, for our joy for our joy. If you begin serving in a certain area and you go, man, this is, mm, this is just not for me. I don't find, I struggle with this. I don't want to do it. I mean, that might not be God's gifting for you. God has given us gifts for the good of others and also for our joy. And, and I want you to consider this. These spiritual gifts, the gifts were all perfectly embodied in the person of Jesus. All right, so Jesus was the God-man, and he perfectly embodied every single one of these gifts. He had all the gifts in full. But now, but now these spiritual gifts are now the responsibility of all Christ followers, regardless of the gift that you do or do not have. All right, and so what I mean by that is as you, as you begin to look at the gifts— in some way, shape, or form, God has given every single one of us as followers of Jesus the responsibility to express faith, to give, to serve, to evangelize, to share our faith, to show mercy, to use wisdom. All of these are responsibilities that we are all called to as followers of Jesus. And you may not be gifted in some of these gifts, but that doesn't mean, well, I don't have to share my faith because I don't have the gift of evangelism. No, no, no. We're all called to do every single one of these things. However, there are certain things that God has supernaturally gifted you to do at a higher, more productive, fruitful level that you enjoy because that's how God has designed you. And so these are all responsibilities for us. And there's, there's, there's different members with different giftings. And we need every single person in order for the whole body of Christ to look like the person, the original body of Christ, Jesus himself. And so we need every single person deploying every single one of their gifts if we're going to be the body that he's called us to be. But the key to all of this is this, a heart of surrender, a heart of surrender, a heart that says, Lord, I want to know you and I want to know how you have made me. John Calvin, famous theologian, said it this way, he said, nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say, true and sound wisdom consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. 
If, if we're ever really going to know ourselves, we've got to know God. We've got to be surrendered and submitted. God, I want to know you and I want to know how you've put me together. Lord, I want to, I want to discover who and how you've made me. And, and, and Lord, I want to, I want to be, uh, be able to accept who and how you have made me. And, and Lord, I want to be used by you for the good of others and for your glory's sake. One last quote I want to end, leave you with is from Andrew Murray, his classic Absolute Surrender, 1895. He wrote this thing, but he said this, the absolute surrender of everything into his hands is necessary. If our hearts are willing for that, there is no limit to what God will do for us or to the blessing he will bestow. If, 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 if. We're willing to fully surrender and say, God, I want to know you and I want to know how you've made me because I want to be used by you the way that you have made me to be. Amen. And so would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray for us. I want to pray for you. And Lord, I just I want to say thank you for the fact that you are a gift giver. God, sometimes we, we see you first and foremost, as one who expects so much from us. And sometimes the world views you as one who wants to steal our joy and um, give us a list of, of, of to-dos and expectations. And yet, at your very heart, you are a gift giver. You are one who loves and gives to us. You have designed us. to be fully used by you, to bless others, to reveal you to the people around us. And so God, thank you that that is who you are, that you have, you have created us in your image, that you have gifted us supernaturally, Lord, so that we could be a vessel, a tool for your use. And so Lord, I pray for every single person that is listening here today, God, that you would help them as they, as they discover their gifts, the way that you have put them together. God, that we would be a people who figure this out with your help and that we begin to deploy your gifts. And Lord, we develop those gifts for your glory's sake so that we would serve one another better, so that we would be a picture to the people outside of, of this church, that the people in our community would see a manifestation of God in their midst. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to surrender ourselves. Would you help us to figure out, to discover, with the help of your spirit, how you have made us to be? God, would you help us to be clay in the potter's hands? Would you paint a masterpiece with our lives? Would you use us for that which you have called us to? God, we surrender ourselves. We yield ourselves to you. Would you use us? We pray in Jesus' name.